Welcome to the Don Pravda and Erica Gray Show, The Twist. Welcome to The Twist News. I'm Erica Gray. The UN is having its General Assembly this week, and world leaders have been speaking. And in this broadcast, I'm going to highlight Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's speech versus Mahmoud Abbas of the Palestinian Authority because Netanyahu's speech sounded as if part of it was directed towards Mr. Abbas and his statements and the case that the Palestinian Authority would present. There was a tremendous contrast. It seemed as if it was a state of Israel versus Palestine. And so we're going to look at it from that perspective. And almost it was a sort of debate without being a debate. So we're also going to look at who was the winner. And first we're going to take a peek at what Benjamin Netanyahu had to say because within his first couple of minutes of speaking, he issued a zinger to the Palestinian Authority. So let's hear that clip. Because they were based on one false idea, that unless we first concluded a peace agreement with the Palestinians, no other Arab state would normalize its relations with Israel. I've long sought to make peace with the Palestinians. But I also believe that we must not give the Palestinians a veto over new peace treaties with Arab states. The Palestinians could greatly benefit from a broader peace. They should be part of that process, but they should not have a veto over the process. And I also believe that making peace with more Arab states would actually increase the prospects of making peace between Israel and the Palestinians. See, the Palestinians are only 2% of the Arab world. As long as they believe that the other 90% will remain in a warlike state with Israel, that larger mass, that larger Arab world could eventually choke, dissolve, and destroy the Jewish state. See, the Palestinians are only 2% of the Arab world. Netanyahu's comment that the Palestinians are only 2% of the Arab world was a zinger. And Netanyahu talked about the threat of Iran, relations with Saudi Arabia and the Abraham Accords. But more importantly, he presented a plan for a new Middle East and a Middle East peace based on Israel's initiatives. He discussed not only the Abraham Accords and the relations with Saudi Arabia, but he also mentioned the India-Europe Middle East Corridor, which was decided at the G20 and would also put Israel in the position to have peace with its neighbors to facilitate this monumental agreement. So Israel is presented as a peacemaker. So we're going to listen to what Netanyahu had to say in his presentation, which included a diagram and was very effective. 
Today, as we tear down the walls of enmity, Israel can become a bridge of peace and prosperity between these continents. Peace between Israel and Saudi Arabia will truly create a new Middle East. To understand the magnitude of the transformation that we seek to advance, let me show you a map of the Middle East in 1948, the year Israel was established. Here's Israel in 1948. It's a tiny country, isolated, surrounded by a hostile Arab world. In our first 70 years, we made peace with Egypt and Jordan. And then in 2020, <clears throat> we made the Abraham Accords peace with another four Arab states. Now look at what happens when we make peace between Saudi Arabia and Israel. The whole Middle East changes. We tear down the walls of enmity. We bring the possibility of prosperity and peace to this entire region. But we do something else. You know, uh, a few years ago, I stood here with a red marker to show the, the curse, a great curse, the curse of a nuclear Iran. But today, today I bring this marker to show a great blessing, the blessing of a new Middle East between Israel, Saudi Arabia, and our other neighbors. We will not only bring down barriers between Israel and our neighbors, we'll build a new corridor of peace and prosperity that connects Asia through the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Israel, to Europe. This is an extraordinary change, a monumental change, another pivot of history. Next, Mr. Mahmoud Abbas comes onto the stage and we're gonna take a little peek at a short segment. On behalf of the General Assembly, I have the honor to welcome His Excellency Mahmoud Abbas, President of the State of Palestine, and to invite him to address the Assembly. The UN is an intergovernmental body. It is not a lawmaker. It is not a lawmaking body. It is an international organization. In 1974, the UN gave Palestine observer status and recognized sovereignty in Palestine. In 2012, it was granted non-observer state status. And it was determined that the state of Palestine would be used in official UN documents. So essentially, Palestine is a virtual state. It's a state that doesn't exist within the parameters of a state, but it's given this status by an intergovernmental body that has no teeth and the Palestinian Authority has really dug their heels or dug their nails into the UN because of this and looking for more recognition. So Palestine is essentially a virtual state, but this is not what Abbas talks about 
during his presentation. What he talks about is frankly shocking. So let's listen to a little bit of what he has to say. Those who think that peace can prevail in the Middle East without the Palestinian people enjoying their full legitimate and national rights would be mistaken. Once again, I come to you carrying the cause of my people who are struggling for freedom and independence to remind you of the tragedy caused by the Nakba 75 years ago. The effects of this Nakba continue and are exacerbated by the Israeli occupation of our land. This occupation challenges the resolutions, over a thousand resolutions, in fact. This occupation violates the principles of international law and international legitimacy, while it races against time to change the historical, geographical, and demographic reality on the ground aimed at perpetuating the occupation and entrenching apartheid. Despite this painful reality, and 30 years after the Oslo Accords, which Israel has totally discarded, we still maintain hope that your esteemed organization will be able to implement its resolutions demanding an end to the Israeli occupation of our territory and realizing the independence of the fully sovereign state of Palestine with East Jerusalem as its capital on the borders of the 4 June 1967 as well as resolving the issue of Palestinian refugees in accordance with the resolutions of international legitimacy, especially General Assembly Resolution Number 194 and the relevant General Assembly and Security Council resolutions, all of which affirm the illegality of the Israeli occupation and its settlements, in particular Resolution 2334 and the Arab Peace Initiative. Ladies and gentlemen, as I stand before you here, the Israeli racist right-wing government continues its attacks. You have to notice the emphasis on occupied territory. What he's essentially saying is that Israel does not belong there, that Israel is an occupier. Now this should raise the hair on the backs of Americans because this precedent, which is set being set, would then apply to the Indians in the United States who can call the Americans occupiers and that they should have their own country within the United States. And the United States should also be divided 
to give them their land that we are occupying. That's what this is saying. Occupiers, forget the Balfour Declaration, forget the history. Also, Abbas cites the conflict and how many Palestinians died at the time of 1948, but what's omitted is how many Israelis died in that conflict as well. Also, he talks about the Palestinians as peaceful people, when in reality, they're aligned with terrorist groups. Not all of them, but the PLO is, but of course that's omitted. And what's also omitted is how many Israelis have been butchered at the hands of these terrorists through the years creating a life in Israel or in sections of Israel that are just unimaginable and that does not get enough play in the media. That, of course, is omitted. But what's absurd here is he's talking about Israel as an occupier. But let's look at it now from another perspective. This two-state solution is outmoded, it's dated, it's dinosaur foreign policy. The world is in a very different place today. Israel is in a different place. I want to read you some facts about Israel, just Israel and the European Union alone. Israel provides its great talent and brain power to over 5,000 EU Horizon programs. And in case you don't know about the Horizon programs, these were initiated by the European Union. They're funded with, there's a vice president under the leading presidency in the EU who oversees this. And the idea is to promote and to help produce new products that'll go on the market. Israel is part of 5,000 of these, or over 5,000 of these programs. In addition, it also is included in EU scientific bodies, such as the Framework Programs for Research and Technological Development and CERN. The gas pipeline deal will supply 10% of the EU's needs. Israel is selling military equipment to France, Germany, and Greece. Moreover, Israel fits the EU's Copenhagen criteria. So you may say, well, what's the Copenhagen criteria? Every time a nation applies for EU membership, they have to meet a set of rules and regulations and economic protocol within the Copenhagen criteria. And usually the delays in membership come because they don't meet it. Israel is not even applying for EU membership and already meets this Copenhagen criteria. Not only that, but if the European Union were to upgrade its associate status, which actually is being discussed and is for members, nations that want a close alignment that's in between the current associate status and membership, Israel would already be eligible for this. Also, the European Union is also the Palestinian Authority's largest aid donor. So you're now comparing apples and oranges when you look at Israel's relations with Europe and the Palestinian Authority's relations with the European Union. 
Not only that, Israel wouldn't be eligible for any of the funding that it gives the Palestinians. The European Union is one of the biggest advocates of two-state policy. But Europe would shoot itself in the foot if it were to achieve this or attempt to achieve this. Because by creating a state within the state of Israel and dividing the land, you're going to upset the economy of Israel. You're going to upset the geo-economic balance that Israel has with Europe, but also with the United States, because you're going to affect various industries within Israel. Not only that, then you would have Israel facing a serious threat because the aim of the PLO is not really two states. They don't recognize Israel. There might be some lip service to that, but it's really to have all of the land in addition to having Israel now face a serious threat. So Israel is not in the same place that it was 20 years ago. It's now eighth nation in the world concerning its economy. It is a startup nation. It is light years away from when this policy was first talked about. What would benefit the Palestinians is being within Israel and having a virtual state within, because they're already a virtual state, so to speak. They're not a real state, they're a virtual state within the nation of Israel, or opting out of laws as is set by the European Union treaties, where you have Denmark and the UK that opted out, and I believe Poland is another opt-outer, of certain EU law. And so the Palestinians can also opt out of certain Israel laws that don't apply to their religion or would violate their religion. But what is Abbas doing? He's talking about getting more recognition within the UN. He's omitting facts that are very relevant. He's presenting that they are being occupied. He's using propaganda terms such as apartheid, racist, occupier, and nobody is really paying attention to how absurd this sounds and how this has never before happened in history when a land becomes another country after a conflict. And let's not even talk about the fact of the history. And I understand that the Palestinians have history there, but you also have the Bible as a biblical record that predates their history in Israel and specifies and provides many specifics about the kingdom period in Israel, the Northern Kingdom, Judah, as well as the surrounding empires of its time, Egypt, Assyria, and then eventually Babylon, which ushered in the diaspora. So you have in scripture a biblical record, but it's not recognized, but it's a record. There's many records within those books of the Bible that act 
as historical. So in conclusion, a boss sounds dated and absurd. And Netanyahu clearly came out as the winner with this, this new plan for peace for the Middle East. And as a final note, Europe also is further cementing Israel into its politics with this India-Middle East corridor, which is also going to boost European Union GDP. So the European Union really should be looking at this two-state policy as being dated and as shooting itself in the foot. And Netanyahu also comes out the winner here because he obviously has a grasp on the new world order and Israel's place in it. And it's an order as Guy Verhofstadt, European Union liberal, former Belgian prime minister, but he's a leading liberal, leading Europhile, stated in 2009 that the future would be about empires. And that's now what we're seeing. We're in an empire age and the empires are looking out for themselves. We see the European Union now looking inward, looking to produce its own resources or rely on friends. We see an unprecedented event taking place geopolitically with the globe literally being divided into because of the Russia-Ukraine war. And we see Israel having a very serious place in this empire age of facilitating peace, being a peace facilitator, but not only a peace facilitator, but also providing nations their needed, needed resources, such as gas to the European Union and talent. And so you can't compare any longer Israel and the Palestinians. The Palestinians would benefit from being within the Federation with Israel, because if they were to achieve statehood, it would be a banana republic that would need a tremendous amount of aid, whereas by their being absorbed into a strong state, which is Israel, they can use aid to prosper within an economy that's already growing within a nation that is forming other agreements with other nations to boost its own GDP and its own growth. I mean, it's almost a no-brainer, but sometimes people don't think with their brains, they think with their emotions, and this would be a very logical step for the Palestinians to take that would benefit them, and it would be good for Israel. The Palestinians existing within the state of Israel could then claim Jerusalem as the Israelites, as the Jews would also claim Jerusalem as their capital. And there could be a designation that they choose for Palestinian or Israeli that would then put them within the Palestinian state. So virtually they could live anywhere within Israel and they just choose that designation. We have that here in the United States for certain groups who get certain benefits by 
choosing certain designations that they belong to. Well, so this has been it for this broadcast. I hope you found this informative. And if you like the message of this video and want to help this message get out, I'm going to have a link to PayPal. And you would like to, if you would like to donate to the marketing of this video alone and 100% of the donation will go for just marketing of this video to get this out there, this idea out there to help solve this conflict, then by all means, your contribution will be welcome. Meanwhile, subscribe to The Twist. Check out our Amazon store. Also, the channels that I recommend on this channel are guests that have appeared. Their channels are here. And in the Amazon store are the books of the guests who have also appeared. Until next time, stay tuned for more. Tune in next time for more from Don Provder and Erica Gray for their twist on world news.